You're listening to Object of Sound from Sonos, the show where we bring you in tune with the music that shapes our culture. When music lives in the air, it's one thing. But when you know the undercurrents and the ideas that went into a song, when you can feel its weight, it becomes more meaningful. I'm Hanif Abdurraqib, a poet and culture critic, and I'll be your guide as we seek a deeper way of listening. One of my favorite subgenres of album is the breakup album. Now, I think the breakup album can take multiple forms. There are breakup albums that are very much, quite literally, about the dissolution of relationships in very tactile ways. Think Rumors, of course, by Fleetwood Mac. Or one of my all-time favorite breakup albums, Shoot Out the Lights by Richard and Linda Thompson. And then there are breakup albums that are more speculative or shrouded in mystery, but that propel us through the emotional landscape of a breakup. Think PJ Harvey's Rid of Me. Or The Cure's Disintegration. my favorite in the latter half of that genre. I love the breakup album in both of these forms because I like turning to albums that make me feel sadder on my journey to being better after a breakup, but I also like a breakup album that very clearly details how a relationship dissolves, how it comes apart, why it comes apart, and doesn't even necessarily promise the aftermath to be good. So this week on the show, the breakup album episode with a twist. I'm talking with Tegan and Sarah, who are the architects of now, I will say, two of my favorite breakup albums in both of these containers that I've presented. In 2007, they released The Con, which is an album that I love and an album that was made while the two of them were going through a number of emotional turmoils, both in interpersonal romantic relationships and dealing with the loss of a grandmother. And the con is one of those albums that so directly confronts loss and being alive and living with heartache. new album, Cry Baby, is a complicated and different and more complex kind of breakup album. One that gets at all the nuances of their collaborative relationship. Tegan and Sarah Quinn are musicians I've been following and I've adored for a long time. They've been making music together since they were teenagers. The two, of course, are twins, which is, um, you know, siblinghood and twinhood is one of the greatest lifelong collaborative relationships, or at least it can be. And I wanted to feature Tegan and Sarah on this breakup album episode because Crybaby delves, in a way, into breaking up with each other, or at least with their previous selves. When you're working with a sibling, when you're working with someone who you're beholden to beyond what you create, uh, there is a challenge in that process that comes to life. And they were so generous in talking about um, 
the behind the curtain aspect of that as well. And I am going to walk us through a playlist of breakup songs, which I am actually very surprised that I have not done on the show yet. I'm surprised that we have not gone down that road because even before making this playlist, I know for a fact that I have a handful of them already in my massive Spotify playlist folder because I'm obsessed with the art of the breakup album and the breakup song. So I'll give you a small glimpse into that massive folder of breakup songs. You can hear that over on Sonos Radio at radio.sonos.com or in the Sonos app and we'll leave a link in the show notes. And now, here's my conversation with Tegan and Sarah. Hey, y'all. How you doing? Hey. Thanks for being here. It's good to, good to see y'all. Good to talk. Totally. This is really exciting. We've been looking forward to this. So I'm interested first maybe in asking, besides how are you? <laughs> I <guess laughs> what, so I guess I should start with how are you both doing? <laughs> Good, really good. We're doing good. Yeah, I just got to New York and met back up with my family. So I'm with my wife and my mom and my four month old son. So I feel very, I feel tired because, you know, no matter how tired you are, you're only really having to take care of yourself. But it is truly another thing when you are tired and somebody is like, I'm awake now because everything's new (laughs) and I want to get up and look at stuff. And I'm like, oh my God. (laughs) That's the baby, by the way, not my mom. Right. Not your <laughs> um, Cry Baby is a real special record, and I was really thankful to get to spend some time with it. And the first thing that really just enlivened me was this kind of, um, it felt really tender to me, but it felt like an album that revolved around being tender with oneself through displeasure. Mm-hmm. And the kind of this permission to, uh, tantrum is such a, derogatory word perhaps but i i find real delight in feeling a permission to throw a tantrum um particularly as an adult right Hell yeah um how did you come upon the thread for for crybaby and for both of you because the album is kind of a two-sided as always kind of like a two-headed monster i mean i love they use the word tantrum because i mean you know the album title, of course, is called Cry Baby. And to me, that was an appropriation of a word that's often associated with children. And Sarah's always teased me, like, relentlessly, because I sing about crying and my emotions in a really raw and very specific and direct way, where Sarah's much more beautiful and poetic in the way that she writes her lyrics. And so she's always teased me about the crying thing. But then, like, in her side of the record, there were so many references to crying and her emotions. And like, you know, this is obviously in preparation for being a mom and three years of being at home and five years since we put out an album. Like we were both really raw. I think we were throwing a lot of tantrums, some quiet ones, some internal ones, you know, some external ones, sometimes screaming at each other. You know, we left our label, we left our management, we did therapy through a lot of last year and we really questioned like, what is our purpose? What's the point of all of this? And Sarah was like, this is our breakup record, but we're not going to break up. Like, we're siblings, we can't. And so for me, what Crybaby sounds like to me is two people saying, holy shit, I have a lot going on and I have a lot of questions and half my life is over, probably, at this point. You know, I hope I live to my 90s, but let's just round down. Half my life is over. Is this what I want? Is this what I want to do? And I think this record sounds like somebody being like, well, asking those questions, you know.
also think, you know, I felt like I was like about to become a parent and I knew that that was going to just, it just was going to make Tegan and Sarah, the band, the brand, the enterprise or whatever it is, different. Like, you know, and I also felt like I was doing that whether T without consent, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like I even go to Tegan and be like, are you fine with me making this massive change to my life that is going to drastically change the way that we will operate in our career and life? And, um, and I think, you know, because I sort of had that sense, I was seeing it more like, um, like I was throwing, you know, like I could, I could tell that I was going to throw our world sort of off its axis. I'd never tell you no. so great to hear this referred to as a breakup album or to, to to think about it in that form because this feels almost like a companion piece to your 2007 album The Con which is another breakup album I really love that's what I keep saying it feels like a companion to The Con I listened in yes I'm guilty of this you should know this I broke down and wrote you back before you had a chance to forget forgotten I am moving past this giving yeah, it's like, I'm, I try to be very good at taking every album as a standalone object, but I couldn't help thinking about how this is like an evolved version. Not, I mean, I adore the con, by evolved I mean like matured, like a, a, a different kind yeah. of grief is being played throughout. I also think, you know, it's like, again, about the choice of the album title, like, you know, there's something really universal about when you see a kid, like a very specific age of child, but like, you know, like a two two or three year old, you know, toss themselves onto the ground and just have like a bit of a wail, you know, like just, just kind yeah. of lose their shit for a second. And like every adult has the same reaction. I mean, if they're not a monster, you look at that and you're like, man, I wish I could do that. You know, like I wish today could be the day where I just like <laughs> lay down and Dwayne Reed and I'm like, you know what? <laughs> shit is fucked up. And I just feel like really, really, really dysregulated and I need to have a moment, you know? And I think this record and the con were both, those are similar moments in our life where I think we were coming to the end of a decade and, and an era of Tegan and Sarah. And I think that, you know, for me, though Sarah and I write very differently and we were in really different places in a lot of ways when we were writing this record, we both, we were aligned in certain things and very important things. And one of which was, this is the time where we change. And if we don't change, we die. That's what it felt like. I'm also glad you brought up your writing styles because I... I am a writer who, of course, loves flowery prose, but in a song, I sometimes appreciate the directness of emotion being presented. And it felt like you both had kind of met in the middle of that. And I'm wondering if you found your styles, like Sarah, it does feel like you've gotten perhaps more direct in pointing at the thing <laughs> and saying, like, this is just the big feeling and this is what it is. Um, how have you felt your, your writing styles evolve or kind of meet each other through the years or if they have met each other at all? I mean, it's probably you know, a part of the process that we, you know, we use to make Crybaby. Like I, 
I actually learned a lot working on Tegan's songs in the way that I did. I've never, I've never taken her songs before and just, like, you know, I'll make comments like, I don't know, sing this line like this, or I don't know, this word's clunky. But I have never just taken a Tegan song and then went into my computer and opened up a session and just reinterpreted it. You're like, I'm going to sing it in right. my voice. I'm going to sing it in the BPM that feels good to me and the key that feels good to me. I'm going to, I'm going to cut all the words that I don't like, or I'm going to finesse it the way that I want to finesse it. And, um, and I felt like I learned something about Tegan and her songwriting by doing that. But then I was also taking that information into my own music. Like I, I do really value that Tegan is so straightforward and that, you know, our, I always joke that our fans, like Tegan's the favorite, like I'm just like, I just like fill the space so that people can go to the bathroom in between, in between Tegan songs. Like, but you know, I just like, or get a beer or whatever. I'm like, it's important that I'm there so people can have a quick break to stretch their legs. But, um. I've always sort of felt like, you know, my my music requires a little bit more patience and a, and and extra spins and that sort of thing. But you know, with this album, I just I don't know. I just sort of was like, I just I wanted to grab people by the throat from the first listen. Like I think I can't grow up. Like even starting the album with that. Like I was just like, I, I want I want to be that person on this album. I want people to immediately go, that's a first listen song. I want, I I'm here. I, I understand what's happening. When Sarah started to reconfigure and re-evaluate my songs and like come in like an architect and kind of renovate what I was doing, maybe at other times in my life I would have been hesitant or reluctant to allow her to mess with my formula. But I was very much in this mode of like, well, it has to be renovated because I need to be renovated. I, we're entering a new era, so I need updates, you know? And... I, th- I think that allowed Sarah and I to make something together for the first time in a long yeah. time. Because I think our last three records, we relied heavily on the producers we were working with. So we both wrote separately. Then we came in and the producers created the bridge that made the album cohesive. Whereas with this record, we built the bridge. Was there a song on this album that, that led to that creative and collaborative breakthrough where the, the collaborative process clicked? Or was it always just every song was its own, its own separate fight? So the song that I really started to feel like I was getting into Tegan's brain and I was able to imagine how the whole record could work was the album closer, whatever that was. And Tegan thinks I'm lying. It truly is my favorite Tegan song on the album. And I and I started that process of like, oh, I'm going to try this on guitar. No, I'm not. I'm going to build a session and I'm going to use all the sort of like building blocks I've been using for my own songs. Like, holy shit, I've never done that before. I'm going to try that with Tegan songs and see if like I can turn this into something. Because I was, I was really into it. I really liked the sentiment of the song. Um, I've been saying that, like, sometimes I feel like Tegan really, like, she really hammers home, like, what she's trying to say. And this felt like a song where she was, like, really sitting back and kind of being, like, to me, the message of the song was kind of like, whoa, I kind of acted crazy uh, when you didn't want to be with me. But now, upon reflection, I'm kind of like, maybe it just was what it was. You know, like, I kind of actually thought the song was, I actually found, like, the song very funny. Like, there was a humor to it that I liked. 
moment where I was like, God, this feels really fun. Like, I really am excited to, like, try to figure out how to make this album feel, you know, like a Tegan and Sarah collaboration. And I loved, like, I loved working on um, Smoking Weed Alone. Like, that was super fun. Smoking weed alone, I'm in the woods. Wonder, wonder if I'll get clean again. Running down the street, it's just a dream. Think I think I need to wake up again. You know, a lot of songs just like they really took they took time. And as the band's editor, I think of myself as as the one that has no problem going back and revising and writing new songs over and over and over again. Tegan is so impatient and she doesn't like to do that. It, this was like a dream record for me because we got to like rewrite the songs like 25 times. <laughs> and I was like, this what's happening? Why is she so amenable to this suddenly? You know, it was great. There's also, it's like a really sonically enlivening record. And it's funny. There are parts of it that I found very funny. There are parts of, though, I think I was really happy to find that the album did have this kind of tongue-in-cheek humor, even though it is dealing with this kind of prolonged sense of tantruming, so to speak. And I was curious about the freedom aspect, the aspect of having freedom and rebuilding your creative team and your creative process and all that in your own image and taking to the production of this album yourselves. Um, You know, there was stuff like all these wonderful vocal samples used. Um, At at what point in the making of the album did you kind of lock into the kind of freedom that allowed for for what I feel like is is y'all's most sonically pleasurable and expansive album? I mean, I think it was in the writing process. Yeah, well, I would I, I would even zoom out more than that and say that it was by rethinking our creative team and, and our career that we were able to finally see what Tegan and Sarah was going to be next. And it's not a slag on anyone. We had, we had 14 years at Warner. They were wonderful with us. You know, our first few records were cooped. When we said we wanted to do pop music, they supported that. You know, that we still owed them a record. And I don't understand. It feels like no band can get off their label, but we just, we were really honest. They owed us a lot of money for the next record. And that's we how come we can get, get, Tegan, that's how come we can well, get off Well, that's what I was record. about to say, is, is that like, <laughs> we didn't want to make a big, huge, expensive pop record and, 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 and had no intention of doing that. And so, you know, we went also and pled our case. You know, we've been signed since we were 19 years old. We've never owned anything and it was just time for us to go. And we wanted to sort of rebuild, you know, um, Tegan and Sarah for for this new era and Sarah and I like most artists thrive when we're uncomfortable we thrive when we are teetering on the edge of what we imagine is just total disaster it's like you know as we started to make these changes which really were inspired by Sarah and our career you know there was this we went, started going to therapy and, and and right away Sarah was like I feel like I pushed us to make all these choices and it's possible we've made a lot of mistakes now like we've fucked a lot up and we've burned down our whole thing and it's from those ruins that you rebuild. And those are good moments, I think, for artists, you know, where you take stock. And we found our vision for the record by destroying everything. And then we were like, yay, now we have to make things. We have to fill this room up. I would also like to just say production-wise that all those crazy samples and all that junk, I mean, totally was because of the pandemic. And all of our, <laughs> all of all of my, like, recording equipment and all of my, like, fancy music equipment, whatever. It was all like in a storage unit. We were in the middle of a touring cycle. So I wasn't like in that, um, I wasn't like in recording mode. And suddenly it's like everything shut down. I'm like sitting in my backyard in my little office studio. And I, I wanted to make music, but I had nothing besides a computer basically. 
And I remembered that I had this app on my phone called Keezy and it makes, it's like practically for babies. I mean, it's like truly, truly like, I think it actually, it might even be in there. It says in the log line, it says for musicians, toddlers and everyone else. Yeah. Like it's for, it's basically an app for children, but I was like, oh, I'm going to make, um, I'm going to make my dance record finally. Like my kind of like non-vocal dance record that I've always been talking about making. And I started making like vocal samples and building out these musical pieces and they were really inspiring to me and that and ultimately that that those are the those were the the first song actually i can't grow up is the first like that was the first thing that i wrote using keezy all the kind of like weird sounds and weird loops and hooks that are in that song are all just like vocal loops that i made on my phone <laughs> And it just inspired me because I was like, here we go. Like, you know, when I was a teenager, all I needed was like two strings. All the strings on our guitar broke except for the for the E and the the low E and the low A string. And Tegan and I wrote like 50 songs on two strings, you know? It just it just when you when you have something to say, you know, like all you need is like a, a can of beans and a chopstick. Like it's just you just you ha- when you when you feel the energy of making something, sometimes having less is more. Definitely. Yeah. One uh, last quick question about conflict. You know, you'd mentioned this being a breakup record and, and also saying that, but we can't break up with each other because we're siblings. Um, with with that approach, you know, I, I do think like a part of the legacy of your band is that you are both siblings and you're both intertwined through the work of loving each other and working together. But it has also been a long time, not just of your living together, but working together. Yeah. Um, how did you kind of evolve through the potential conflicts of that of that working together while making this album that is, um, you know, I, I feel like deeply harmonious? Therapy. Therapy, yeah. <laughs> and not traditional <laughs> therapy, because Sarah and I have done that many times before, but we we ended up finding a woman who was incredible because she was more of like HR and and she was she works with big, you know, organizations and businesses and and she came in, listened to us for a few months talking about all our conflict and, you know, was amazed. Like we were looking for new management and she was like, you know, it doesn't even sound like you guys know what you want from each other, or like from, you know, anything. And is our job description, like she was like, I've never worked in music before. Is there a job description for a manager? And we were like, mm, I don't know. And so we spent like weeks just crafting a job description for what a manager would be. And then when we narrowed down who we wanted to be our management, they all had to fly up and, and be interviewed and do like an HR process. And like, it's unheard of in the business. And I acknowledge how much privilege we have that we had the funds to do that. And, and we have the power in our project that people were willing to get on a plane and come and be interviewed by a stranger and go but through an HR hand, process. And, but then on the other hand, even that- but it's how it's, should be done. It's how it should be done. This, these people, they get 15% of everything that you make. Yeah. The fact that there's not even a job description. I mean, it's just, as, it's absurd, you know? Yeah. I mean, this woman really, I mean, she really changed it was, our lives. It was, it was an amazing process, but it's like, I think what Sarah and I have realized multiple times throughout our career, and we've realized it again recently, is just when we have structure and we have support, we do well. When we are at our worst and we're at each other's throats and there's conflict, it's because we are siblings and we take out the sort of danger and the insecurity and the friction and the the questions and the mess out on one another because we love each other unconditionally. We cannot escape one another, which does feel deeply, deeply unhealthy at times. But it's like, I think we understand the power in like admitting 
that there are just things about each other that are never we're never going to understand or like or get, you know? And there was like this moment with the the therapist person who was working with us where Sarah there was something that Sarah was really upset about and had all this emotion about it and I just was unemotional about it. And there was Sarah couldn't let it go and kept looking at me and being like, but Tegan, you know, she doesn't understand and I feel so much emotion about this and I feel so sad about this. And I just kept being like, okay, well, but I don't understand that. And and our therapist was like, Tegan, soft eyes, like listen to, you know, and we're kind of having this whole thing and I'm like, God, like, you know. And at one point the therapist cuts Sarah off and goes, you know what, maybe Tegan just isn't that deep. And it's like, I laughed about, I still am laughing about it. It's been like a year, but it's like, she wasn't slighting me. It wasn't an insult. What I took away from that moment was we care about different things and our care is massive. It's like Everest sized when we care about something. We're so passionate and we're really lucky. We often don't feel that Everest sized passion about the same thing. And that's kept us balanced. It's kept us not competitive. Like we're not competitive with each other over things, things Sarah care about. I just let her have and things that I care about. There's like a very small crossover where that conflict exists. And if it's organized and we have great support, we can keep our band going. And I think when it comes to creativity, it's the same. Sarah cared about the production in a way I didn't. And therefore she could take up all the space. She could have ever sized passion for what this record sounds like, because what mattered to me was what we were saying. And there's no conflict in that. And that's, I think, why we can keep doing what we do. Incredible. Thank you, Tegan and Sarah. As as you both know, I think I'm a big fan and uh, I am just really in love with this record and I'm so glad I got to spend time with it. I can't wait for everyone to hear it. Uh, thank, thank you, you so much. much. It really means a lot. It does. It means a lot. That was Tegan and Sarah. Their album, Cry Baby, is out now. And now for a final thought. I found it most interesting to hear Tegan and Sarah talk about their collaboration in the form of uh, collaboration you can't escape or a breakup that cannot happen because you are intertwined in this very large way. But I've been thinking a lot about um, the relationship as a collaborative project, really honing in on the relationship as a collaborative form between two people who love each other and want to make the world a little bit softer for each other. And perhaps, as Tegan and Sarah offered, two people who are willing to be witness to each other's very large tantrums, particularly during the pandemic, where I felt like I have so much less to give to other people. It's been easier than usual for me to quickly get to a place of frustration or feeling like I've reached my limit or feeling overwhelmed or feeling beyond capacity in any number of ways. And it was important for me in those moments to have people I could turn to and be vulnerable with and to be witness to my many little meltdowns and then to allow me to do the same for them. Those relationships, like the best collaborations, were generous enough to expand and accommodate the versions of ourselves that we became during that time, which were versions unlike any other past versions of ourselves that we encountered. And so I'm thankful for the relationships that persisted, the ones that were inescapable and unbreakable. And finally, I'm thankful for Crybaby, the Tegan and Sarah album, and for this framework of the relationship as a collaborative process of sorts. I hope that if you are listening, you have that too, and you can take that approach in your relationships as well, because I don't think, this is perhaps where the pessimist in me comes out, as it does sometimes. I don't think the world is going to get any less lonely. Uh, or any less cruel. And so um, the work of finding your people and fostering that 
really productive, emotionally generous, collaborative relationship is mighty work and it's worthwhile. And I hope that you get to it if you can. This has been Object of Sound from Sonos. Thank you to our guests this week, Tegan and Sarah. To hear all the music in the full version of the show, listen on Sonos Radio at radio.sonos.com or in the Sonos app. You can find our podcast on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. If you like what you hear, go ahead and rate it and share it with your friends. This is a communal thing, music discovery. So tell us what you like about the show and what you're listening to. Let us know your thoughts in an email at objectofsound at sonos.com. You can follow the show at Object of Sound on Instagram. This show is produced by Work by Work. Scott Newman, Gemma Rose Brown, Kathleen Ottinger, Rhiannon Corby, and by me, Hanif Abdurraqib. The show is mixed by Sam Baer. Extra gratitude to Joe Dawson and Saida Blount at Sonos. I'm always talking about music online on Instagram and Twitter at Neef Muhammad. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you for being a part of the show. Mm-hmm.